are back with episode 847 of The Critical Myth. I'm John, your host, and tonight we have... Oh, this is Gary from Jacksonville, and, well, I don't think we have a lot of shows. I really enjoyed the ones we had this week. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, we are right on the kind of transition between the holiday dearth of shows and everything coming back, including some portions of the DCW. So we are definitely uh, glad that we have some of these shows back. And uh, some of them come ba- came back with a bang, some with a whimper, and some with a big question mark over our heads as we were wondering what they were thinking. But we'll get into all of that eventually this week. I'm fairly sure we're going to have another week with two shows uh, as we are still trying to get uh, the content back on the screens, let alone uh, us up and uh, current with things. But uh, that's okay, because usually this show is the one where we talk about everything but the shows that we do episodic <laughs> discussion for, and then next time we will do the uh, the episodic discussion. So, uh, Gary, before we get much further into the discussion, why don't you go ahead and give a disclaimer? Yes, as we talk about um, books, comic books, movies, or as, um, as John said, uh, shows that we don't normally cover, we will be going into depth in them. We do this... N- we realize we are spoiling you while we do this. However, it's just done to keep our um, discussion both interesting and um, uh, thought-provoking and covering some of the topics that we feel are very important. So as we come up on a topic, if you don't want to be spoiled or have our keen insights um, put upon your psyche before you watch them, um, please put us on pause. Otherwise, uh, this is fair warning that you will be spoiled. That's right. Exactly. Uh, so, yes, why don't we go ahead and jump right on in. Uh, as, as Gary mentioned, we're going to be talking about movies, other TV shows, things that we've been reading, and so on. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start with movies. And, uh, Gary, why don't you go ahead? I think that you have one thing on this list that just kind of button up our uh, discussion, perhaps, on Last Jedi. Oh, yes, it was. Um, I had gone to see uh, Jedi originally with my wife, and then I had the opportunity to finally take my children to go see it. And um, it was interesting, some of the second view items that I caught here and there. Um, particularly, uh, a scene that sticks out most importantly for me was the scene where um, Yoda is talking to uh, Luke. And it, it reminds me of uh, two things. Number one, it reminds me much more of the Yoda we saw, we saw at, actually at the end of Return of the Jedi, which I guess supposedly makes sense because that's sort of where he was at when he died, where he's a little bit more of a jokester rather than the more serious uh, Yoda that we've been used to um, seeing with the prequels and even in um, some of the uh, uh, cartoons such as Clone Wars. So um, that rubbed me a little bit less than I think it did the first movie. Also, his uh, joking with Luke about uh, burning the books and everything like that, I now have a sense that he I think he already knew that Ray had taken them and uh, was was uh, sort of uh, pulling, a, you know, pulling a trick on Luke a little bit. Uh, secondly, I, this time around, I did catch that Luke was not doing making any f- footprints in the... Uh, assault you'd say um where i i missed that also and uh so and watching it a second time i and i'm i don't want to be too hypercritical because i know there's hard there's a hard battle going on online about this but i have to admit that i felt this had less um as i rewatched it uh the there was uh no heroics there was no even villain succeeding and it left me even a little more hollow i think than it did the first time i realized this is meant to cap off a lot of the old world so to speak and open up the new frontier uh to you know to different stories but i have to say i wish uh i really did miss sort of the more heroic overtones that seem to pervade the series up to this point or even the dastardly ones and so uh i i i it's not that i can't appreciate new things but i think i'm mourning the loss of my old star wars just a little bit more after watching it a second time yeah, I, 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 I suppose I can understand that, especially since, uh, you know, trying to 
reconcile the fact that yeah the things move on and things are, are different now than they used to be it's definitely going to be i think a bittersweet moment for those who grew up with the original trilogy and onward um but yeah it's always interesting hearing people on their second or third or fourth watch at this point for some people yeah so uh well and well anyway you know it's in the theaters or at least it's uh it's still in the theaters at the moment um in some ways due i think to um disney's shrewd contract negotiations because uh the one the two theaters that uh are still currently playing it in my area are down to a single screen at this point and uh they are. They have not been full, <laughs> so um, I, you know, I think after about a month, it is starting to uh, definitely run its course, and um, so uh, I guess we'll be able to, uh, you know, see it online soon. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, yeah. well, we'll see. I mean, it's 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 definitely having an interesting run. That's to say the least. Uh, so yeah, uh, speaking of rewatches and new watches and so on and so forth. Um, while uh, we were kind of in between shows, I was watching uh, Blade Runner, and I went back and watched the original first. And okay, oh, yeah. always, always actually, a good time. The, yeah, uh, actually, the, fi- uh, which actually one? the final cut. <laughs> Anticipating your question. Okay, okay, yes, okay. And where do you stand on the... Uh situation before we go further uh no well yeah I, I i have to say i haven't seen the final cut i've seen many of the other cuts and i oh, remember okay. the uh the original uh pretty well and it really holds up very nicely although of course there are some you know perhaps uh you know shall we say sexual politics that are very different these days than they were back then um, yes but what was interesting of course is that uh you know then going on to watch blade runner 2049 the next day I've been very hesitant about that because I've heard things one way or the other. I'm concerned it might ruin the first one for me, which I definitely don't want to happen. And uh, so what say ye? Um, I will say that I feel like uh, one of the common things that people said is that it's a little bit too long. But I think that the uh, it, it captured the feel of the original one really well. I mean, everything from kind of the world building to the music to the characterization and the story, I feel like it definitely is the same world. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because it is so long, you almost feel like in some ways I felt like I, I was kind of like, can you get to the point already occasionally? But at the same time, it was really neat to be immersed in that world so deeply and uh, they didn't shy away from the fact that, you know, there were, um, you know, issues with the first movie. Instead, they just kind of said, okay, that's the world that we're in, and this is, uh, this is what we're going to do to kind of carry that forward, rather than trying to pretend that that wasn't the way that it was, or, or, that, or, or kind of try to align necessarily with today's values or, or, or whatnot. It kind of said, okay, well, this is what that world would evolve into, and there are issues, and that is actually part of the story. And how far ahead of the original movie was it? Or was it? Uh, Time-wise? Time uh, it's yes. like 30 years, I think. Okay. So um, I think the original one was like 2019, right? So. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I would say that it's definitely worth watching, but you're going to have to kind of invest a lot of time because it's a three-hour-long movie. And... Um, yeah, it's but once you get into it, it is very interesting to watch and kind of see how they play it through. Uh, it does feel a little bit gratuitous to have Harrison Ford come back, I have to say, um, because once you get used to that world, it's almost like, we, do we need 
him to come back. Um, in a way, you do for the plot, but in other ways, it almost feels slightly intrusive. Mm. But yeah, it's it's definitely um, worth watching. Um, the thing that's really interesting to me is that this the director who I cannot pronounce his name is the one who is supposedly working on the Dune remake or the or the new uh, adaptation. Yeah. No, I don't know the name either. Sir. Yeah, like uh, I, I'm not even gonna try. Uh, I, I have it in front of me, but it's it's yeah, it's not, you know, it mean name pronunciation. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited after seeing this because he got the aesthetic of Blade Runner down, and I could see how that could translate. Okay, so uh, uh, overall, uh, you're saying a little long, but good. Yes. Okay. I'll be definitely very interested in seeing your your thoughts on it because certainly uh, there are elements of the plot that are. Um, intriguing let's put it that way um i feel like almost they tried to, in, in some ways they could have done an entire movie that wasn't tied to the original but i understand why they did what they did i got you so now i do see uh, you know, on our show notes uh, just to pull the curtain back i see you do have another movie you've seen and this one i i've only heard the title of so i'm very interested to hear what what's going on Yes, that's right. And that would be, um, this was like a one-night thing that was out just the other day. Um, and it was called Mary and the Witch's Flower. Now, this is the first movie from uh, Studio Ponic, I believe is how you say it, or Panak. Um, and it is, basically, they are an offshoot of Studio Ghibli. So when you say, um, or when you look at the trailer or the previews or anything related to this movie, it really feels like they are trying to go for that classic Ghibli style like Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle or, uh-huh. or something like that. And it really does play out that way. Um, it really feels like that's what they were swinging for. I think they got pretty close. I don't know that I would call it an instant classic or anything like that, but I feel like they, they did a lot of those same you know notes that a lot of those fans from Studio Ghibli days would probably enjoy a lot. <laughs> It was a pretty packed uh, theater because it was pretty well promoted. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. And it's pretty fam- family friendly. So uh, it's, it's a nice movie if you can, if you can catch it <laughs> on home video, perhaps, or if they show it in wider distribution later on. But um, I was a little surprised that they only had it for one night. And in fact, they had two showings on the same night, one that was dubbed and one that was subbed. And they, it was really hard to tell which was which. So... Um, Uh, so which version did you see it in? I saw it uh, dubbed, which actually was worked pretty uh, pretty nicely, although it was a little jarring because I was hoping to see a uh, see what it was like in the original, of course, uh, Japanese. Uh, the dubbed version was kind of because it's set in a kind of stylized or, or different version of Britain. It was all British type accents to the dubs and um, I think like Kate Winslet was one of the people who did the, the voices for, for the main character even. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit odd uh, because, you know, it didn't match up with the, with the f- facial animation at all, but yeah, it, it was still really um, enjoyable. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who is a fan of those, those classic movies Um from from Ghibli, I would I would say go ahead and try and find it when it comes out again, or if it comes out on home video. I think it was a really good uh, a really good time and a, and a good first effort from that studio. And it was uh, definitely in that style. Oh yeah, it was almost exactly the same style. I mean, you could tell that that's where they had come from. Okay, 
Oh, good to know. Okay, yeah. I'm just uh, opening into my uh, to the world of that stuff, so that's uh, good to know. So, is this when you say an offshoot? Do, is it like people left, or it's just they're like a little subspecialty kind of thing? I'm not. I think that they left to do their own thing. I think that maybe uh, there's a lot of discussion because Miyazaki, the guy who essentially was the star of that. Uh, of Ghibli, you know, kind of the, the, the person who, who shepherded it for the longest time, is is essentially retired and so on. And I think that they're kind of moving on because they want to have their own identity as that as Ghibli is kind of constantly back and forth on the uh, on, on whether or not they're going to stay open or not. So I'm not real clear on that whole picture, but yeah, it's... Uh, it is at least their intent to kind of pave their own way or at least carry forward the traditions, but also see their own, see, you know, where they can go with this style. It makes sense for them to kind of go with something that was very Ghibli-esque at first, and I'd like to see where they go from there, though. I got you. Okay. Good to know. So, yeah, that's that's movie stuff. Okay, so uh, anything on the small screen interest you late? Well, actually, I finished Runaways on Hulu and uh it was it was pretty interesting um in terms of where they decided to end things because uh sorry guys spoilers um essentially i was expected them to maybe resolve things more in the first season but actually the first season was kind of like the first act or arc of the uh of the comic so they actually don't quote unquote run away until pretty close to the end of the first season. So I'm really glad they got renewed for a second season because you, they kind of just whet your appetite. Uh, but it's really good. Um, the the, uh, the the casting is really strong, and I thought that the adaptation was pretty pretty dead on. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Okay, um, well I wish I'd, I other than our shows I haven't hit any uh, anything new on TV. I was actually hitting some old stuff. Uh, I finally finished my uh, Babylon Five rewatch and. Uh, it's probably, I want to say it's about the 10th time I've watched the series at this point over the years. And um, every once in a while, I still get little uh, little gifts here and there, things that I missed or didn't catch up. Uh, again, having JMS, having written most of the series, gives a continuity to the thing that you don't normally ever see in a TV show. So um, I, I catch little bits and um, tidbits. Um, the favorite one I caught around this time around was um, when the doctor went on his uh, walkabout to find himself. He had met this mm. singer who turned out to be uh, dying of a terminal disease. And that was pretty much all we ever saw of her. So then when you jump forward towards the end, or well, the end of the fourth season at least, um, Marcus is looking through um, through uh, the doctor's records to try and find some way to heal Ivanova. And during one of the snippets, he mentions that um, uh, Kaylin has pa- uh, passed away. Uh, that was her, the, na- the first name of the singer. So about what is that? About a year and a half later, we I missed it. I've missed it in every other viewing to this point, but I finally caught it this time. It's like, oh, so he finally did put the uh, the bow on that one, so to speak, and we found out that she did indeed pass on. I believe it was supposed to be within a few months at the time of the of the episodes uh, recording. So that was um, that was a sort of nice little touch, uh, something that I didn't pick up on, uh, you know, in previous watching. So again, I continue to learn new things. <laughs> so um, that's always fun. And yeah, uh, as far as yeah. Babylon Five goes, uh, we're we're still in our rewatch on our end. Uh, okay. we just got to today, in fact, uh, moments of transition. Oh. so mi- yeah, mid fourth season. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're making good progress. We kind of had a bit of a uh, a lull there, 
um, during the fall, but we're back on, on track a bit. But yeah, it's, it's interesting going back and watching it because you can definitely feel the acceleration in the fourth season when you've seen it a few times and now you go back and you go, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and a lot more there. Oh yeah, I think the uh, as I look back, I'd say one of the things that were accelerated the most that I uh, most miss was the um, the Mimbari Civil War. It was just so. I mean, what there was was phenomenal, but I just can only imagine how much more there really was to it that it would probably would have went on much longer and um, brought an even more fulfilling end when it when it did happen. But uh, as a result, we ended up with two and a half, maybe three episodes about it, where it could easily have taken over half a season. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, yeah, it. <laughs> there are pieces where you sit back and you go, "Hmm, that could have used definitely two or three more episodes." But uh, it's still there are some plot lines that I like the little nuances that you don't see until the third or fourth time through, and it's amazing to think that that's still the case when we're such <laughs> deep fans <laughs> for that show, and that's a uh, that's kind of a, a mark or a, hall, or a hallmark of just how strong a show it is. Oh, definitely. So um, that and now that I finished that, my next rewatch candidate is uh, actually going to be Fringe. I just started that up. Um, I've never actually watched the early episodes. If longtime listeners might recall, I jumped on the Fringe bandwagon, I think, around season three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've never seen the um, the first you know season and a half, two seasons. So it's going to be uh, uh, quite a fun ride as I get up to where I can actually start remembering things. So. I'm, so I'm looking forward to it. So so far I'm I'm quite pleased. It didn't, I feel watching these first few episodes that it the series did change a fair bit from where it started. But um, uh, I'm looking forward to it anyway. So. Yeah, wow, Fringe. I, you know that's one that I always think of going back to, especially now that the X Files has come back again. And I just think that you know there are a couple shows that are the post X Files kind of. Uh, living in their legacy and i feel even improved upon it and fringe had such a strong episodic to serial uh shift over time yep yeah oh yeah no it definitely i i just i honestly in some ways i almost didn't recognize it the first few episodes i mean i know where it's going to get to but um uh nothing yet and i'm i'm still looking for the uh oh geez not visitors uh observers i haven't seen one yet so it was <laughs> but I'm keeping an eye out early. <laughs> so uh, I'll have to see about that. But so uh, that's, uh, that's been all of my um, non-show uh, TV viewing at the moment. So. Yeah. I mean, besides keeping up with everything, I can't say that I've really been watching anything else either. It's uh, th- there are some things coming up. I really like this, uh, this show altered carbon. I've seen some things for that recently that was on, um, that's going to be on Netflix so, yeah, that that looks like it's going to have uh, a, a little bit of a uh, uh, of a Philip K. Dick type of uh, vibe to it. And since going back then to the Blade Runner thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's got. A, it looks like it has some of the same elements. So I'm 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 pretty excited about that. You see anything coming on the uh, on the horizon here that you're looking forward to? Um, as far as new television shows coming up, well, uh the big one I was looking for, we're actually going to discuss the first issue, first episode, this uh, next show. So I'll hold off, but uh, that's it at the moment. Okay. That sounds fine to me. Uh, how about reading? It looks like you've had a, a little bit of a, a, a good time here reading a couple novels. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I just, uh, I'm on a little bit of a uh, Scott Sigler run right now. I just finished up earth core and um, it was really good. I'm looking, uh, 
Um, I'm looking forward to the uh, the paperback ver- new version come out. Um, what happened was um, Scott Sigler, geez, probably, I want to say it's 10 years ago, it could be longer, I had originally written EarthCore and released it both as a podcast and um, and sold it through, uh, I believe it was a small press company. Uh, the, the name of the press company at the time escapes me. Well, anyway, I guess there's either been statutes of limitations that have run out or his licensing has run out. And he went back, revisited it, added about 40% to the book, and is now uh, republishing it again, I believe, maybe through Crown Press, I think is his current um, publisher. And um, they're going to be releasing it uh, very shortly as we're recording this in uh, a soft cover version and there also is of course the uh, uh the you know kindle and epub uh, versions as well so i actually got one of the electronic versions and it was um it was a, a really fun exciting read um it it's very suspenseful but i really i wouldn't call it horror so um that was sort of nice horror sometimes uh, i don't know uh, uh doesn't let me sleep at night but this, this book didn't have that um have that aspect about it it's roughly about um people going down into a mine to find a whole bunch of um um Platinum, I believe. Yeah, platinum. And it turns out that it's not a vein of platinum, but a um, – I did do spoilers uh, – is a uh, ship that's actually underneath there, and there's uh, various uh, aliens that uh, comprise it. And it's um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, a few of the characters are definitely uh, well-developed. Uh, some of them aren't, but uh, uh, more than enough to keep my attention. It was, uh, it was a fun read. I'm trying to think – as I think of some of Scott's work um, – the GFL uh, Galactic Football League series that he did is a, is always a YA uh, kind of uh, book, and that's how it's written and marketed. And then some of his horror, like um, what would it be? Um, um, like, um, oh, geez, I'm trying. Like Nocturnal um, is very horror and very much written in adult sexual situations and everything like that. And this uh, this book sort of falls somewhere in the middle. I would, I don't know. I'd call it you know adult in the sense of blood guts horror as well as sexual situations but it's definitely not a tame ya book so it's somewhere in that sort of middle range and uh i found it to be a very fun read and i, I enjoyed it a lot uh, if, uh, if you haven't picked it up or you know, perhaps looking for something that's uh slightly science fiction but not over the top um uh, this definitely might be the read for you perhaps if you like something along the lines of uh cowboys versus aliens um this might be sort of in that same sort of genre where it's grounded in uh I guess reality, and then they throw this uh, science fiction twist into it. So, um, so that's that would be uh, my suggestion. Having finished that, I've started his uh, new series, the uh, the Alive trilogy, and I'm just about a third of the way through the first book, Alive. Um, I'm having a little bit of a harder time reading this. I'm more than familiar and comfortable with Scott's writing style, but something about this book it doesn't quite speak to me as much as his other so it's been a little bit of a slower read for me. I'm not flying through it the way I might normally fly through one of his books. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah, I know that you're a big fan. Yeah. So um. So well, I mean, I'm willing to try it. Maybe it'll hook me. I know the um his um as I said, some of his uh horror series. Uh, it took me a, a good bit in before I caught it. Sort of got bitten by it. So no pun intended. And um, but yeah. So maybe this will be the same case. We'll see. But uh, as a, when you're familiar with an author, and you're more than willing to give them probably more of a chance than just a blind book that you picked up. So um, that's where I'm at right now. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I, I really didn't do a whole lot of reading over the last couple of weeks. I was trying to really get through that one novel that I mentioned called Accession, and I did the thing that I normally don't do, and I wound up kind of uh, dropping it <laughs> because I just couldn't get through it. Oh, goodness. 
So yeah. uh, it happens with books, and you know, it does. you know, some like I said, if this if I didn't know this particular author, I probably would have stopped reading this, this current book. At, I think I'm on page like about you know somewhere in around 100, 110. So, but uh, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, so now I'm actually looking forward to there's a new book in the Red Rising series that's uh, I should be getting any day now. Uh, that yeah, uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to that because uh, there was the original trilogy, but now there's there uh, there's going to be a second trilogy. So this is the first book in the second trilogy. So it's by Pierce Brown, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, I can't remember the exact like Iron Bread or something like that or Ironborn. Uh, I'm probably getting it completely wrong, and somebody's going to correct me along the lines. <laughs> Well, yeah, like as I said, you know, if you find a, a, something you like and you want to keep going with the series, I think of the uh, uh, Harry Dresden books. They're like thirteen or fourteen in, and yeah, as soon as one comes out, I don't even know, need to know what it is. I'll just, yeah, I'll just get it. So, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so that's it on the book front. Is um, has there been uh, anything else popped up in the uh, science fiction world that you wanted to uh, discuss or talk any news topics or anything like that? No, it's it's uh, no, I think that that's about it. I think that really we ought to go ahead and wrap this particular show up. It's a little bit short, um, but we can probably just go ahead and go into the uh, episodic discussion. Sounds good. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Well, then we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. And until then. And so ends another epic episode of The Critical Myth. If you want to leave a comment for this show, head over to vognetwork.com. Not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show, but there is a dedicated forum, a ton of written reviews and related articles by the crew throughout the site. For the written reviews, you can even leave your own review. So let us know if you agree or not. You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth. On Twitter at Critical Myth or Google Plus under the Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes, in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as fair use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates, but let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time, watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the critical, in the critical myth.